The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to the program as we are coming towards an end of season two, season three, about to get underway next month when Maitland Ward, the star of Boy Meets World and The Bold and the Beautiful, will join us to talk about her transition into the world of porn and how she's become the highest paid porn actress in the world. Maitland Ward opening up season three next month. But this month, we'll have a wonderful week of kinky B&Bs. You know, it is summer vacation time, and I realize summer's coming to a close, but when you want that vacation that can take you away from everything, consider one of the places brought to you by our two guests this week. We start in Big D, Dallas, Texas, where a woman has taken her dungeon and created an amazing spot where you can live your fantasies with your loved ones. Domina Daria is the host of the Meridian Dallas Dungeon. She began her journey as a therapist in her formative years and found that foundational training continues to inform her practice as a dominatrix. She has spent an enormous amount of time and energy along with resources learning and practicing the BDSM arts. In addition to training new submissives and engaging in fetish consulting to individuals in one-on-one intense life-transforming sessions, she also offers BDSM coaching for couples, single or double and to aspiring professionals. Being privileged enough to have her own BDSM dungeon and kinky play space in Dallas, Texas was simply not enough. She travels across the country in what she likes to call luxury travel, and she's brought that luxury to her dungeon, and now you can experience that space as your own as she's accepting reservations for it as the ultimate kink travel destination. The Meridian Dallas Dungeon is open for your luxury kink B&B photo studio or private hideaway for a night of play. Mistress Daria of Dallas on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. 
first time you ever opened the doors to what is now the Meridian Dallas Dungeon and what you thought of the possibilities? Well, that was actually quite some time ago, the first time I actually ever rented out my pro dungeon. Um, when I started calling it the Meridian, I was kind of a little further down the line, but I, I dabbled with rentals in my very first dungeon, uh, but I didn't name it the Meridian. I was just kind of rent to a friend here, rent to a couple that was a client. And over time, I realized that there was a need. A lot of couples really wanted to rent the space um, after coaching or after a session. And I realized that there was a market for it. So uh, my second dungeon, I went ahead and started renting it out. And the Meridian has had uh, three incarnations. The one that it's currently in is the third version of um, my my outreach to mm -hmm. the couples and the lifestyle couples. But I also rent to traveling pros and photographers as well. First time you ever set foot in a dungeon as Mistress Daria and your thoughts going into it. So um, I started actually years ago with Mistress Montana as a different name. And over time I decided to change my name. So um, I stepped back out into the professional arena as Mistress Daria in 2008. Um, but previous to that, I had been Mistress Alexia and I had changed my name for multiple different reasons. But uh, my first time in a professional dungeon was in Mistress Montana's dungeon. Both times, actually, where it, when I, even after I remade myself, there, there was a revisiting of her dungeon. What was it like walking in there for the first time? Uh, the very first time back in like 2001 was extraordinarily nerve wracking. I was young and uh, I had been trained by her and I'd had exposure in the lifestyle and I'd been part of the lifestyle. Um, but, you know, you kind of freeze your first time. And I remember a lot of adrenaline and a lot of heart pounding, but um, I got through it. <laughs> and I remember driving home feeling absolutely high from it. Probably should have hung around the dungeon a little longer than I had. Um, and that was 2001 as a, as a professional, but I had actually had experiences previous to that, just not in a professional dungeon. First time you realized that you had made a significant impact in someone becoming their authentic selves? That's a great question. Um, not sure I can remember the very first time. I have had several, what I like to call peak experiences um, where I realized I kind of opened someone's eyes about fetish. And the idea that, you know, someone is, uh, me taking credit for stimulating someone becoming their authentic self seems almost arrogant. <laughs> I'm, I'm, um, I, I get that feeling sometimes when I'm with my students that they're opening up and that they're learning about themselves through the vehicle of fetish. Um, but I don't know, that, that's a great question would I take credit for someone becoming their authentic self? I don't, I don't think I would ever take credit for that. So I think I'm not sure I can answer that question. 
first time you realized that you had a protege or a student that really got it? That's a good question on the student or protege question as well. I think it might have been when I first started teaching bondage, um, actually, and that would have been about 10 years ago. Um, people pick up on that a lot more quickly, I think, than they pick up on the finer points of being a dominatrix that takes a lot of development. Um, and sometimes I feel too that they come already, already made, you know, like they're, it's already innate and I'm not really uh, doing anything other than opening the door for them to come out of themselves, you know, to be released in, into themselves. But as far as a protege who really gets it, I've had one recently that I'm super impressed with, but I won't say who. <laughs> and definitely gets it. A natural. First time that bondage came to mind, what was the genesis of that? I was I, like, you know, on the heels of a retirement from a career in massage therapy because I was a licensed massage therapist and I became a pro dom and I loved both passionately and I was flipping through DDI back when David still owned it. And uh, I saw an ad from <laughs> Jaylene Bennis and I think Mistress Montrose, there was, there was another mistress that was associated with her at the time out in California that does like a bed and breakfast dungeon kind of thing that I'm doing right now actually. And um, I saw the ad and I knew immediately. I just, it, it was almost like instantaneous. I knew I had to go train with them and, and be part of it because I love both. And they had figured out how to synergize a process where both were on the table, no pun intended. And so I went straight away. And I think that would have been 2010, um, if I'm not mistaken. And it was the first time I realized I needed to be part of that was seeing that ad, that like full, full page ad in DDI. And I was like, oh, I'm definitely gonna go meet these people. And so I met Jane Bettis and uh, have been into it ever since. <laughs> Bondage and bed and breakfast. We'll be talking a lot more about those when we come back on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. Have you ever had the joy of being wrapped up in a cocoon of spandex where the idea of movement can only be fantasy? It is amongst the most beautiful feelings ever. That feeling of that tight material hugging every part of you. Well, our friends at Winter Fetish want you to experience that sensation and are offering listeners of our show 10% off spandex sleep sacks when you use the code www.spandexsleeps and you will help the show as well with your purchase. 
I dream of being zipped up and held in one of these amazing sleep sacks. And I think you'll enjoy it too. Enter the code www.spandexsleeps at checkout when you visit winterfetish.com. Pleasant dreams. From the bold and the beautiful, to boy meets world, to liberating herself from Hollywood. Maitland Ward has an incredible story and she shares it with us. When I was trying to be nice and fit in that box, less people noticed me or gave me respect, especially like after my fame on the shows and everything, like later years, middle years, I guess. <laughs> um, but then when I like on social media and I really have social media and my fans and the press to uh, thank because they gave me a platform to express who I was and to do stuff I wanted to do. And once I started to be really authentic about myself, and to be honest about who I was and just have fun and be be who I am, that's when people really started to respond. And I think that's a lesson that everybody can really learn in life and anything. I think people really respond to authenticity and that's a powerful energy to have. Maitland Ward on the premiere of season three of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, Tuesday, September 20th. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to the program. I'm John, joined by... Dallas Dominatrix Domina Daria. There are a lot of D's in Big D there. <laughs> and Big D is your home. Is that a good kink town? Well, I mean, you know, to find good or bad, we are a friendly community in the Dallas area. And that's one thing I'm super, super thankful for. And having traveled a lot for work, I've realized that some places, um, you know, it's not as friendly, if that makes sense, like, especially within the pro community, when the pros are all getting along, it's just a beautiful thing. So most of us know each other and can, you know, email or chat each other up uh, to communicate just about what's going on in the scene. And I think that really helps to make for a good pro scene. And then our, our lifestyle community, I think is pretty robust as well. Um, there's a lot of lifestyle groups and a lot of options for munches. And we do have two professional dungeons currently in full swing that are, um, you know, open to the public, public, public dungeons. Um, so that makes for great event venues. And I think, I think we have a good scene. There's always going to be an ebb and a flow where you have favorite stuff. Like with COVID, a lot of stuff got knocked out. One of my favorite leather stores is now gone and it's been here forever, Leather Masters. And um, I think they had a had a location in San Antonio and one out in California, maybe San Jose or something like that, but they're gone now. So we just kind of have to deal with the attrition and the, the ebb and the flow of the scene in general. But I'm, I'm very happy to be part of this community because I feel like it's a really good community. As we discussed during the break, my first public scene was at the Sanctuary, which used to be a public dungeon there that was just had the most wonderful atmosphere when I went there. And I was blessed to be able to have a scene there where I really discovered why kink was so important to me. 
And so Dallas holds a very dear place in my heart. Yeah. You have, you have brought the Meridian Dallas dungeon to the forefront, especially through social media. I see you, the dungeon all over Instagram and all over Twitter. And this is really an amazing opportunity because it is a place not only that people can rent as a dungeon, but you've made it into a destination vacation spot, for lack of a better term, when you just want to be able to relax and get all tied up. Yes. My, the, the first exposure I had to the idea of a bed and breakfast again was um, back when I first became um, familiar with Bonisage, and I can't remember if her location was in Capitola or San, I think it was San Jose. I'm not really sure. It's like right outside of Capitola, like where you would, you would come in. Anyway, um, and I can't, I forgive me because I cannot remember the mistress's name. I want to say Montrose, Mistress Montrose, but she had created a bed and breakfast. And I thought how wonderful that someone could go and stay the night, you know, because that way that's safe. You know, there's no, you know, in and out. And a lot of, at the time, a lot of professional dungeons were just not available to the public. Mm -hmm. So um, I noticed, you know, again, in my early years that, or earlier years, (laughs) that there were people coming in, literally booking sessions with me just to have access to the equipment. And, but they didn't want to go to say the sanctuary, or they didn't want to go to a public event because they were shy or they were new or, you know, whatever their reason was, they had maybe a scene that was too extreme to do in public. And so, you know, I realized that there was, it was a good idea to create the situation. When I travel, I go to Airbnb a lot. I like the idea of having my privacy and, you know, a location like that gives you more autonomy than a hotel. And so, you know, I decided to kind of synergistically blend the two. It, it has, domestic areas where you can relax but it also has lots of equipment in every room so that was kind of my goal was a kinky airbnb when i've seen the pictures and we will share some on social media ourselves i was just totally blown away by the sheer amount of equipment in there number one and number two if you don't have a toy in the world you have everything at your fingertips here. Yeah, I tried to hit the broad strokes. I mean, there could be a lot more. I didn't want it to be completely like professional dungeon feel, like, you know, loft in New York feel, because um, also when working with novices, you know, if there's a lot of advanced equipment there that they don't know how to use that, that's not really helpful. So I tried to make it intuitive, uh, but also just anything you could think of to do that I'd covered all the bases. Um, with just the basics and then also collapsible equipment so couples can get familiar with the idea of a traveling dungeon like a kit that can be broken down and put in a closet and then you know spring forth during the weekend in your bedroom to turn your bedroom into like a kinky dungeon so getting familiar with collapsible equipment is always a good idea for that kind of stuff what was the first piece of equipment you ever bought for a dungeon and why it was the swing. <laughs> hmm, why? Well, I had I had become familiar with it by hanging out with 
uh, leather daddy from New York. And we used to travel together and he would always have this collapsible swing, aluminum frame, obviously, because it's a lot easier to travel with something like that than a heavy one. But the first one I made was out of gas pipe. So I wanted something very sturdy that was rated for, you know, a lot of weight. And I knew I was going to be using it for suspension and shibari and, and other, other things other than just putting a sling in it. Um, but the sling is, is definitely one of my go-tos. It's a favorite position for me to have a sub in. And as seen in the one time we've done a video podcast, it's also fun to do an interview from. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a great feeling to feel weightless. You just sit there um, somewhat vulnerable, you know, but also feeling supported at the same time. So I think it puts people in a good headspace. What's your favorite piece of equipment that not many people have heard about? Not many people have heard about. Meaning something in your dungeon that you love using, but it's not something that is massively commonplace within dungeons. Hmm. Well, like I said, this particular dungeon... I, I like left wenches and, and highly complicated suspension out of it because I knew I'd have a lot of novices coming through the door. So a lot of the equipment I have in my dungeon is supposed to be familiar with intent. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm trying to think like, you know, most people have been exposed to horses, stocks, cages, and swings. And that's the majority of what's there. You know, horses, bondage beds, slings, swings, um, and the cages. And then of course, my wall, uh, my bondage wall, the white wall. But again, I think that's pretty standard par for the course. Um, sometimes when people come in and see the cock box that I bought from a fetish maker in Montreal, um, they're, they're like, what is that? And I'm like, well, what does it look like? <laughs> what do you think it is? Um, but yeah, I wasn't really going for a unique with this dungeon. I wanted to go with tried and true and familiar so that people would have access to stuff they could use, if that makes sense. I have a, um, a milker and I think a lot of people would like encounter that and be like, oh, what's that? And that, that is something that's usually a first for people. Um, but I, that, that question, you're, you're stumping me. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like most people, most of the stuff in my dungeon, most people would recognize. You know, it is, uh, I wanted it to be, again, something people could access. The stocks I have, the brand new stocks that I bought are kind of complicated to move them around. But Again, it's, it's pretty intuitive and most people have seen them. So I'm not sure I can answer that question very, very clearly <laughs> or concisely. If you were to have a typical, and I realize there is no such thing as typical, but a typical customer for your dungeon to come and play in, would it be a group? Would it be a couple? Ooh, Who are the people well, that rent it out? So yeah, I have completely diversified my offering and I'm working with a really wide range of people now. 
so people used to ask me all the time like oh do you have women that come see you and um you know I I used to be kind of solely focused on the the client that was buying a professional session that was a male sub and um that that profile for my client now is you know 50 percent maybe um so I'm working with pro doms or ladies that want to become pro doms. I also train massage therapists and escorts in, you know, safe BDSM practices because they're going to use it because they're seeing it. So I want them to do it safely. And I do believe that they should be allowed to practice uh, under the same blanket of legal as we do. Um, I also work with photographers and I work with couples a lot. I do coaching with couples. I do sessions with couples. I rent to couples. The people that are renting from me are primarily couples. Um, they're wanting to spice things up in their marriage, or they're wanting to uh, practice with more advanced equipment, or they're um, you know completely new to it and want to just experiment and see if it's something they like, but they don't want to you know commit to buying this stuff until they know for certain that they like it, which I think is a wise decision. And, um, you know, it's all, all different levels of experience from novice to, you know, veteran. And uh, most of them are just looking for privacy. I don't really encourage large parties because I'm not trying to annoy or irritate my neighbors, <laughs> but I do have some pretty cool neighbors who probably wouldn't really care. Um, the, the reality is that there's really no one profile for the people that I work with. I work with anyone who comes to me and is genuinely interested and uh, isn't trying to, isn't there for with some external or extra intent that I don't need to deal with. People who are sincerely interested in fetish. It really doesn't matter what it is from what angle that they're trying to get involved. I am usually pretty open to, you know, showing them whatever it is that they're looking to learn. So you know, I do coaching, I do professional dom sessions, and I do rentals, and uh, I just fill the needs of whatever it is that, you know, someone is inquiring about. Obviously, keeping the privacy paramount. Is there a story you can tell me about a couple or any group that rented your dungeon that came out of that weekend different people that they finally got to play in the place of their dreams? Um, I did have one couple a while ago who really became fanatical about it. And I, I still get emails from them saying that they would like to take more classes. Um, they came in to see me as a couple and uh, they're very excited about it and they were blown away. So they came in later to take a class for the bondage to learn to switch with each other, uh, to give each other the bondage. And um, I wouldn't say that they came out of it different. I would say though, that they came in excited and it completely met all of their expectations and they stick in my memory the most because they still so enthusiastically communicate with me about those first experiences that they had with me and how excited it got them about continuing their fetish journey. So they stick out in my memory as like the number one, like 
you know, success story mm-hmm. of uh, just a couple really, you know, being blown away by the experience and really getting off on it. Um, but there are lots of different types of couples that I've worked with. Some of them, I've only had one bad experience and all the time I've been doing this, I've had um, other pros when I sit, we sit back and have lunch, you know, go, oh, you like working with couples, that sounds awful. Or, um, oh, you know, you, you rent your dungeon out, aren't you worried people are gonna steal stuff? And no, they don't. I mean, you know, there's always gonna be, you know, a loss here or there in any business. But um, I found that people are extraordinarily clean and respectful. And I just haven't had, um, haven't had any trouble, I guess, in my expectations. And the couples have been really fantastic. The only time I ever had a problem, and I learned from this very early on, was someone had gone, came to see me that the husband had kind of been pressuring her to come. And once she got there, I realized what was going on and, and had to dismiss them. And I'd had a conversation with them on the phone, but um, I, after that, really screened a lot more heavily and had a longer conversation in the intake. But I think most people, you know, who are looking for an experience with a dungeon that don't want to have contact with other people are just so thankful to have me as a buffer zone where they can go and have a private experience and they don't have to basically go through the nerve wracking ordeal of being in a, a public dungeon where other people and strangers are there as onlookers. And it, I think it gives people the opportunity to blossom, you know, before they're ready to go to events, sometimes they need some one-on-one time and it gives them that opportunity. I remember the first time I set foot in a professional dungeon and I was, it was Gene Bardot's studio in Minneapolis. And I was blown away by everything that was there. And I only probably saw about half of it. (laughs) And the half I didn't see was all the costumes in the back rooms and all the, all the wigs and all the boots and all the cat suits and all the things that would make me go, okay, I never want to leave here. And I still felt like I didn't want to leave here. Um, And then I went to Amanda Wildfire's Castle Diabotica, also in Minneapolis. And that was a place where you walk in and there is absolute overstimulation of every every bit of imagination someone can have. When people walk into your dungeon, what is the best advice you can give somebody to not be overwhelmed and to be able to enjoy it? Because I would guess like a kid in a candy store, where do you start? Sure. Sure. I get it. I used to um, design my pro dungeon that way. What you're describing uh, the first one, the walls were red and all of my implements were on the walls and displayed. I'd like, you know, 20 hoods on, on little spikes, on little styrofoam heads, so that there was just all this, you're over inundated with fetish visuals. Uh, but as things evolved, I tried to take away, maybe even take a lesson here or there from the less is more design crowd. <laughs> as I, you know, went further and further into design, I, 
in other areas, I, I realized the more Zen concept of, you know, emptiness. And so um, that the last incarnation that the Meridian had, I was more concerned with aesthetic than overwhelm. And I don't feel like I, with what I've currently created, have to worry about that because I did design it with a homey intent mm -hmm. uh, because it is designed to cater to people that are looking to vacation or looking to get away or looking for an escape or a retreat. So I don't have things all over the walls. And so you do have to open closets and drawers to find things. And I think that helps to cut down on the mental chatter so that people can kind of focus on each other and also focus on the fetish. One thing that I used to try to do in every single session was put as many bells and whistles into it as possible and you know, overstimulate and make sure that they got high as fuck. <laughs> and lately I've been more into like trying to cultivate an appreciation of every little thing I do. So I slow down uh, so that it's more sensual and it's more focused. So I feel like the dungeon is a reflection of that maturity in that it's designed not to feel, you know, like a, for lack of a better term, a circus sideshow. And I, I say that because my first, one of my first photo shoots was me in a ringleader costume. <laughs> <laughs> And that's kind of what I was after. I was after gore. I was after sensationalism. I was after a lot of the, um, the more glitz and glam kind of, you know, aesthetic. And, uh, you know, all my sessions were heavy hitting and had blood involved, you know. Mm. And I've grown as, a, as a, a fetish person, you know, not just a dominatrix, but my fetishes have deepened. And I feel like, when working with couples, it's a completely different um, dynamic. And I, I encourage a different dynamic than that kind of hardcore professional persona. So I don't think that I have to worry about people being overwhelmed, but I frequently hear from almost every couple that come in there. And it's almost like I can, I can predict what they're gonna say. We're like little kids in a candy store. And I'm like, I know, I knew you were gonna say that. So they do run around like, oh, look at this. And oh, look at that. But um, I, don't, I don't feel that it's designed with overwhelm uh, intended. And I think that there are several areas where people can go like a sitting room that has no fetish anything in it and just sit and be still like for aftercare or for the pre-negotiation. And so it's designed with all of like the whole start to finish, like the entire experience um in mind and i've gotten to a place where i'm trying not to rely on the artifice or the the shallowness of my dungeon being what impresses someone but my presence my voice and my command being what they're focused on more than any other thing and that's the perfect segue to wanting to talk about your style as a professional dominatrix, you said that you like to slow down, that you enjoy those moments. And I have always said, and I will <laughs> go to my grave saying this, that anyone who thinks that kink is about sex doesn't realize how amazing the moment can be. 
talk a little bit about being in that moment. Harnessing and triggering whatever it takes to be the catalyst to get you into the right headspace is really what the goal should be because it's easy for us to hit moments of top space or subspace based on any given stimuli like you you rec you learn to recognize the patterns and for instance you know like when a sub starts kissing my feet i can feel that you know presence of energy kind of filling my head and making my head swim because i'm a foot fetishist and that's what turns me on but that's also what just gets me that their state of reverence their state of submission observing that uh, triggers in me a feeling that I can't really, it's not even, it's not even really something I think I have proper words for, to be honest, but, you know, my style is probably more of what we would consider the loving dominant. I was definitely very focused or much more focused on sex in my early thirties. Um, and that's not that, you know, I don't, one of the things I don't like about this particular discussion is that frequently people get to a almost um, puritanical level with their fetish at this point and try to start rejecting orgasms. It's really good to have the full range of sexuality present within your life. And uh, sex is life affirming and it teaches us a lot of things. And well, there are some practices, mainly religious, that you know really abstain a lot from orgasm. The only time I ever use abstinence is literally to heighten the next orgasm. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't feel that um, we should demonize any, any part of the, the sexual spectrum. But when we're focused on just an orgasm, we miss out on all of those different varieties of top space and subspace. And those can be like full body orgasms that never actually culminate into a climax, but last for hours. And your whole body is achieving a state of ecstasy. And I think to ignore that is just extraordinarily short-sighted. And, uh, and I don't, but I mean, it takes a while to cultivate that appreciation. You know, kind of like if you drink wine or you play chess or any hobby that you, you know, skill that you build over time, um, you cultivate an awareness of it and it grows, you know, with time. And so slowing down was what that took because a lot of times my excitement was kind of connected more to like my second chakra, you know, um, that pushing and that kind of frenetic energy is more of the like climax energy and learning to elongate a pleasurable experience by uh, slowing down and, and tasting the senses, you know, like recognizing I feel this in my whole body you know, when this particular activity goes and letting that develop, you know, instead of moving on to the next thing, constantly trying to keep the circus running. You know? mm -hmm. And so I, I, I'm, pro I'm probably a little bit more like a gardener, a Zen, Zen gardener than I am a circus master anymore. But uh, that's just because I realized that some of those finer feelings can be elongated for hours. And I can be in that space for a long period of time if I just allow myself to focus on it and fill it and be it fully. I would never take judgment towards anybody who wants an orgasm or wants to have that particular destination. 
for me personally, being in the moment is the destination. Yeah. Uh, even when I had a beautiful scene with Queen P and uh, Amanda Wildfire up in Minneapolis, they chose to end it by bringing out a huge ass vibrator. And I was basically in a body bag and I didn't have any choice over the matter. And <laughs> when they finished, they said, were you okay with that? And I said, I would have been just fine without it, but it was very nice. Thank you. And they just, I think their jaws just dropped. They're like, you really are different, aren't you? Right. <laughs> because in the pro scene, I think a lot of people well, and not, this is, this is something that it's so hard to really explain the differences between lifestyle experiences and pro experiences. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times they're, you need this climax to kind of break the connection to end the session because in a lifestyle situation, you know, like let's say we were doing bondage, you know, you might be tied up for hours while mm -hmm. I do this or that or work on my computer and um, or tease, you know, maybe take a nap. My partner and I, we like to call them leather naps. We take leather naps in our leather. Mm -hmm. um, because we can, you know, it's not like you're just dressing up for this event or whatever. It's like a lifestyle situation. Um, but in the pro scene, you know, everything is based on and is dictated by and is beholden to time mm -hmm. because essentially that's what we're working as independent contractors or contractors of time. We con people contract us for our time and we give them our time in exchange for, you know, um, the monetary sustenance, but I, I think when, you know, you're really focused on your fetish, it's real easy to lose track of that time. And mm -hmm. I, you know, the older I get, the harder it is for me to keep my scenes within the context of that time, but knowing that everyone's constantly racing here or there to the next thing that they've got to do, you know, um, I do have to frequently truncate something or, um, you know, cut it off or wake someone up and make sure that they're you know that there's enough aftercare that they're they're driving away safely and mm -hmm. I think frequently the orgasm is a really good way to kind of break that that trance that they go into and I've never heard so, it put that way but it makes perfect sense yeah because you don't want them going home high while they're driving in rush hour traffic <laughs> <laughs> especially in dallas <laughs> a, a nice a nice little shower afterwards too and a bottle of water maybe a chocolate or something mm -hmm. wake up <laughs> when we come back on the show with domina daria we're going to talk bondage because i find this so fascinating and you will too when we come back Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports, no, not the jet ski kind, and you really want to fulfill their fantasy but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. 
Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please, remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to the program. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit, joined by Domina Daria from Dallas. One of my favorite cities in the world. I miss it a lot. Bondage. I have a hunch of what it is, but can you explain what it is? Sure, absolutely. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I was a massage therapist. I worked in pain management clinics and acupuncture clinics, and uh, then I became a dominatrix. And so I had a background in, you know, table massage. But when I met Jalene Bennis, I realized that the two could be fused together. So what she's done is create a protocol, a form, you know, a ritual, if you will, of kind of explaining to the body's senses what BDSM is. But it's a complete sensory deprivation type of experience because you have headphones on your head, you know, you're face down with a blindfold on you're tied to the table and then just a smorgasbord of different fetish techniques are played out on your backside. And then when you flip, it's the same thing on your front side. So it's really more about the sensory aspects of fetish, you know, feeling the tapotment of creative percussive play or feeling the impact of Florentine floggers, you know, coming down on you palm floggers coming down on you in a wave of sensation that you can't hear because your you know your sight and and smell and hearing are all taken away as you're laying face down and you just feel things happening you know mm. while your senses are kind of over inundated um i i feel like bondage is really for the entry level person but i've had a lot of veterans come to me and just kind of maybe be uh, at a place where they're experiencing burnout or a lull in their fetish journey. And they want to try that on just as a, a kind of way to relax. And then there's sort of everything in between, you know. Um, I find it really a great technique for couples who want to give each other these experiences, you know, but it's kind of like you can kind of put out all of your 
stuff in a duffel bag and you can fold up a massage table and you can easily take that with you on a weekend where you break that out at the hotel or the Airbnb that you're at. Um, and it's an easy way to experience certain fetish things, you know, or explore certain fetish things, but in a really safe context, one of the things that I had learned pretty early on about impact play was that if the torso is completely uh, supported, right, whether someone's on a horse or laying down on a table face down, um, people can handle, typically people can handle a lot more impact because they're able to process it um, without fear of falling. And that is such a significant subconscious fear that people frequently will open up and will be able to tolerate and process and experience much deeper levels of impact than they would if they were, say, standing, you know, um, spread eagle on a St. Andrew's cross or standing with their arms, you know, suspended up above their head. Those positions aren't sustainable like the position where your torso is fully supported. So mm-hmm. um, the bonissage table, just in and of its design and the structure and the function um, lead way for people to relax while experiencing fetish if, they, if they're more on the anxiety prone uh, end of things. And so lots of different applications. I find though that the most, most of the people that are coming are, are novices who wanna sample the different fetish items before going into a full-blown fetish session. I just had my eyes closed just imagining (laughs) because I started out as a total sensation junkie and eventually got into impact to the point now where the wonderful woman I call my queen, who is my, we, we practice simply love. We are each other's best friends, and she is looking for her love. I'm looking for my love, but we love each other. And she used to just love taking the sensation and trying to figure out how to get me into impact because she is a sadist to the core. And over the past year, she looks at me and goes, what happened to you? I said, what do you mean? You take everything I give to you now. How did you do that? Oh, because yeah, you're you're building up the awareness and tolerance mm-hmm. and ability to process. And yeah, you can expand. But my, my cat suit is actually what I call a sensation amplifier. Because if you run your fingers over a skin tight and the, the tighter it is, the better, obviously. But if you run it over the skin tight material, it's as though an area about 50% bigger than what you're actually running over it is felt. And it pulls and it pulls behind it and pushes forward. And so I actually was fortunate enough to have a lot of really good sensation play with my cat suit on and never had to take my clothes off, which I <laughs> didn't want to subject anybody to. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's uh, just hearing the idea of the blindfold and the sounds because, or, or not being able to hear anything because that just brings your mind to this beautiful, beautiful place and edge that when 
your nerves are touched. It's beautiful. Yeah. I just wax poetic about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some of this stuff can be very inspiring. mm -hmm. I get inspired every single time I do one of these podcasts. I mean, I have had the joy and blessing of meeting so many amazing humans that I get inspired each time I talk to a new guest and feel a an honest-to-goodness connection because it's something that when you do an interview like this, it's a very intimate thing. And just even though we can't see each other because uh, we do our we do our interviews via Zoom, but usually videos open, it's actually brought me even a more heightened sense of talking to you because it's just words. <laughs> right. And it's pretty, pretty cool. And I really enjoyed having you on the show. Please tell us uh, the best ways to connect with you and the best ways to book that amazing facility of yours. Okay. So it can be a little confusing because I have two websites. So for um, information about a professional session with me, whether that is coming in as a client who wants to submit And uh, also I do coaching for couples, or if you are a aspiring professional yourself, who would like some coaching or guidance, all of the information for all of that can be found on my website, mistressdaria.com. For rentals of the actual facility, my dungeon, the Meridian, um, you would go to the Meridian Dallas Dungeon, that's meridiandallasdungeon.com. And that site will give you information about the rates, pictures of the facility, and a contact form to contact me about setting up the rentals. Although I'm going to respond no matter how you contact me. It's just easier if you know what direction you're headed. If you want to do the rentals, you go to the rental site. And if you are looking for something on the professional consulting level, you would go to mistressstaria.com. I'm also on Twitter and uh, the Meridian is on Instagram. So I'm on Twitter as uh, Mistress Daria and I can give you all of this contact information for links in the show notes, but um, I'm also at the Meridian Dallas on Instagram. So those are the only two social media I do because I can't seem to manage being on all of them. (laughs) It's just a little much. Twitter is plenty, you know, there's, I feel like Twitter is a little more friendly toward images, you know, Instagram can be, Instagram is okay for images of just the facility. Um, I just have to be careful because I've had a lot of different things deleted over the years. Um, And I'm not here to offend anyone, but it's always curious to me when most of everything that I am shooting is you know, fully clothed, why people love to hate on fetish people, I don't know. But finding me through my website is probably the most expedient way to get a hold of me. And I, I usually ignore texts from people who haven't already established contact through my booking form, just as a way of kind of weeding out the people who are really serious and the people who are just kind of wasting my time. So that's to be known. Um, in order to talk to me on the phone, you have to set up an appointment. I don't answer the phone for strangers or text strangers. All good information, and we will put all the links in the show notes. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. It has been an absolute honor and pleasure. And I swear I'm going to get down to Big D and see you. Absolutely great. I would love to have you. Domina Daria has a wonderful place in Dallas, and I hope to get down there and experience what it's like to be in a place of luxury, like the Meridian Dallas Dungeon. Kinky B&B Week continues on Friday when we meet Kathleen. She is the innkeeper at Enthrall, a beautiful bondage and BDSM oasis in Pennsylvania in the middle of nowhere, which means you can live all your kinky dreams and have the entire atmosphere all around you be just yours. Kathleen from Enthrall, Friday on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. And coming up very soon, we get to meet many of the friends that I met during FetishCon including Paula Diamonds, an amazing fitness and fetish model who met me in the most interesting of ways. She has an amazing personality and we'll be sharing that with you on the program. That's coming up really soon. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, Maitland Ward from Boy Meets World and The Bold and the Beautiful liberated herself from Hollywood through going towards porn. She loves her fetish as well, and she'll talk about it on the program coming up later in September. And that will do it for this edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. I'm John, always known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. And I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.